Hey, would you like some help getting your business or ministry up and running? I can help with that. I've been involved in many God-driven ventures for the past 20 years. Want to learn more? Go to TeresaBlaze.com forward slash coaching. Whether you want to start a faith-based business or an online ministry, you've come to the right place. This is the Teresa Blaze Show with your host, Teresa Blaze, where she's bringing her over 20 years of consulting experience to the mic. Now, here's Teresa. Welcome to the Teresa Blaze Show, bonus interview number two. And today I have got Mr. Eric Nevins from ericnevins.com and the Halfway There podcast. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, Teresa. It's great to be here. We've known each other for quite a while. <laughs> we kind of made a connection uh, on uh, for Unresolved Life, which is the other podcast that, that I run. And then I've also been on his show. Uh, and I will put links to both episodes uh, in the show notes so you can go check that out. But I, this is a interview, Eric, more focused around the audience here are trying to start a faith-based business or online ministry. And watching what you have put together has been really interesting to me. So let's start this. Can you kind of give the audience a little bit of background of where you came from and how you got into doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I can. Hey, thanks. It, it is great to, to be here. I wanted to just say I looked the, this up. You were episode number 77 on Halfway There, which was over a year ago. That's hard to believe. So that was back in January of 2018. So we've been, we've been friends since before then. So a little about me. I, uh, I'm originally from Iowa. We don't have to go through all that, but I uh, moved out to Colorado to go to seminary and finished up a Master of Divinity in 2009, uh, which is in the middle of a recession, which is a really hard time to get a job anywhere, let alone um, as kind of an upstart pastor. I probably could have done a lot of things, but just did never find the right thing. Uh, so I worked in the financial world for an additional nine years, being a little bit miserable. Okay, that's an understatement. I was a lot miserable. So I just finally, sometime in there, I eventually discovered, I discovered blogging, I discovered podcasting. And kind of like we all do, some of the uh, online gurus that tell you how great it is to have all this passive income and all this extra money, right? I thought, oh, that'd be awesome. I want to do that. And uh, so I got into it. Eventually, I found though, you know, I did a number of things like trying to have a Christian political blog. That was weird. A lot of stories about that, different, different kinds of things, helping pastors, whatever. But eventually, I found that podcasting was a thing that I liked. So I really loved into people's stories. And it kind of combined all of the different elements of my training and uh, my work and my personality all together. So that's a little bit about how I got there. I'm also now where I'm trying to take it is more into a business way where I'm creating some, I call them eight-day experiences. They're really just short Bible studies that you can do uh, over a short period of time to kind of help you dig into one passage of scripture. What was the final breaking point for you? I'm not a very good follower, like of rules, right? So my company was starting to go to this thing where they would measure everything about everything that you do. I don't know if you've ever had one of those jobs, but it was not fun for me. You know, I had been kind of making plans for over a year for how was I going to get out? How was I going to move? And so last May, I uh, finally, right about this time of year, I said to my wife, hey, it's about time. I've got I've to do this and go out on my own. 
Um, so the decision was kind of both external and internal. It was something that I was kind of wrestling with, with God over time, um, over a long period of time going, what, what do I do? Like, I, I feel like I'm dying a little bit every day when I go into this cubicle to sit and bounce somebody else's check. It's not really fun. Fine, you know, fine work, great people that I worked with uh, for the most part, but it was not my calling. It wasn't where I belonged. And I'm an Enneagram four. I don't know if you know about the Enneagram, but we, we tend to not do well in cubicles. It feels more like a cage than a cubicle. I can definitely relate. I, uh, I remember having my own fair share of jobs where I was bored as tears. So yeah, I get it. In light of where you came from and what you're doing now, what do you believe are the biggest barriers to ministry or starting a online business that is faith-based? I suppose there's several. I think one of them is permission. One of the things that I, I keep running into with people is that they have these gifts and those gifts don't necessarily fit within the way that we structure churches right now. That can be a real issue. And so, you know, the people who tend to get the attention and the, and the money are the people who can draw a big crowd. I'm, I want to be very careful to say I don't denigrate those people. They're gifted in a certain way and that's good. And I understand why, why it is the case. But what tends to happen then is people with other gifts, like, so I'm, I've been working with soul care uh, practitioners, people who do things like spiritual direction or inner healing, counseling, maybe not in a licensed way, but just in a, in a coaching kind of way. And like, if they go to school, like, so the seminary near me where I went, Denver Seminary, has a program for spiritual directors. They may go to school and get a MA in spiritual uh, practice, spiritual direction or Christian formation, I think they call it. They get out the job market for them is really, really slim, right? Because that gig doesn't scale very well. So, uh, you know, if you, you want to, if you're a spiritual director, I, somebody told me yesterday, a full-time spiritual director job would be 15 appointments a week. So you can imagine if, you, if you're faced with a choice to hire a new, whatever, let's say a kids director or a you know, worship director or whatever, somebody who's going to minister to hundreds and hundreds of people, and somebody who's going to minister to 15 people a week, it's not much of a decision, right? We're going to go for the more bang for our buck. But as a result, our churches are suffering because we really need people who do that pastoral work. So one of the problems is that these people uh, that I've been working with, the soul care practitioners, are not finding feeling like they have permission because they're not ever giving, getting that affirmation from the church in general. So one thing I've been trying to say to them is me and my friend Patrick uh, have been saying, hey, you have permission because you have a gift. So go and use it, and you can use it in a ministry context and still get paid. You're not going to get paid from the church, probably, but people should pay you for your gift anyway. You know, that's a very interesting because it really draws in the, can ministry and business coincide together? I don't know about you, but when you start talking about that, boy, people get real uncertain about that. I think one of the reasons is, and I've, like I said, I keep running into this with, with these friends of mine is we have this sort of weird unspoken vow of poverty, right? Like we don't, a lot of people don't have a problem now paying a pastor a reasonable income. And I can tell you in our area, pastors get paid pretty well, particularly if they have a church of a, of a decent size, right? That's true pretty much anywhere, which is fine. That's good. But then when you have a different kind of gift, you know, some of these people, I've, uh, some soul care practitioners, they've run into, they're charging like $25 an hour. You can't make a living on $25 an hour, even if you were able to do 15 appointments a week. Talk about underselling yourself. Totally. And yet they're providing a, a valuable service. 
that the church is needs. In fact, I would say it's a vital service and they maybe even don't even know that they need it. So part of the problem is, you know, so that's a whole nother barrier. Like you were talking about trying to convince people that they actually need to go instead of trying to get an appointment with their pastor, get an appointment with a spiritual director or an inner healer, somebody like that. I have run across people and one of them is a very, very, very good friend of mine. She specializes in, uh, in, in, in spiritual warfare and counseling. Okay. Exceptionally good friend. She gives away her service. And I would, I mean, when I think about it, I value her service like gold. Like you might value like a precious metal because of what happened when, when you work with someone like that. Okay. But it's given away completely for free. And I, it's almost, it's almost to me. I mean, if I'm wrong, tell me, but it's almost to me like, these people, they just so they do not see the value in what they offer. And so by the time you're done, you're going, well, I'm trying to minister, but I can't put food on my own table. Yeah. Is there a reason that she does that? She felt led to. Okay. And that's okay. Like if you feel like God is telling you, I want you to give this away, then you do it and you trust God for the provision. But if you really, if your income is dependent on using your gifts, you know, you may not be able at first to cobble together an, enough income to take care of yourself. You may need to work another job. We all do that as entrepreneurs, but don't let yourself not take money if that's good. And there's also a way that people need to contribute to what they're doing, right? So they need to invest in, okay, so you've, you're a spiritual director. I need to invest in that personally and financially in order to get the most benefit out of it. Yeah, they need some. I've really found that if you, it's, it's, it's a situation where if you don't put skin in the game, you don't value it as much. Totally. And that, that happens all the time. And so th- the funny thing is then if you're, if a soul care practitioner is not charging, even if they're not charging enough, at least if they're charging something that's good, but they're actually shortchanging the experience for the person who they're ministering to. And th- th- it's just a hard perspective to get because we're in this, this world. I think there's two things. One, we have this idea that, well, spiritual practices, spiritual services, I guess we could say, should be free because we can churches offer it but the reality is churches don't offer it for free they're they're paying somebody to do it that they're paying through donations and then, and then there's, and there's a, sorry there's one other thing there's a, there's a sort of vow of poverty well i don't have to make like like it's just wrong to make money from from your gift and i just don't i just don't think that's true that's an interesting perspective in itself because i've often talked about you know uh, the rich dad poor dad mentality rich dad talks about, you know, making money work for you. Poor dad talks about going out and getting a job so you can earn it, you know, so on and so forth. And I have seen both sides of that equation. How do they, one, get past that vow of poverty, one. And number two, in your mind, how do they turn that into a practice that is beneficial and revenue generating? I think the vow of poverty, you have to just um, and I think it takes some prayer, right? So again, if you feel led to offer your services for free by God, do it. But do some contemplation about it and decide, is this actually the Lord or is it something that I just expect of myself because I want some sort of affirmation from the church or from other people. I want them to give me money without asking for it or whatever it is. You know, the vow of poverty, you just have to understand that, hey, Paul says things like, hey, don't muzzle the ox, right? That's in scripture. He's quoting back from the Old Testament because the worker deserves his wages, right? So if you're doing a, a valuable service, meditate on that and, and get that really into your soul. Also, as you practice, you're going to learn its value, right? So just like you said about your friend, you know, it's worth its weight in gold. 
I mean, that's a pretty good indication that they're doing some great work. And as you get more comfortable with it, you should try to start charging more and just do it incrementally even. You don't have to start out of the gate making a lot of money. You can just, you know, start, if you start at $50 and then go to 75 and then go to 100, that's okay. But just have a target and don't, don't expect yourself to stay there forever. Because the reality is your costs are not going to ever go down either. Let's let's move into someone who actually has a business. They're uh, they're doing their thing. I mean, they've stepped out. They've taken the leap. Now, how do you market a faith based business in this atmosphere online? I mean, with using the socials, using everything. What has actually worked with what you're doing? I think um, the the things that I've done that have been successful um, have been. Uh, one is just connecting with other people. So I think you have to find, you mentioned um, the Christian Podcasters Association. You know, I started that kind of on a whim um, with a guy named Phil, who was a funny thing. He was a, he's not podcasting anymore, but he had a show that was kind of similar to mine where he was asking people for their testimonies. And I just put a comment in one of the other Christian groups, man, I wish there was a, you know, Christian group that I knew of that was, allowed a lot more interaction because um, some of those groups that I'd found on Facebook just didn't, they wanted you to just put your link in there and leave it alone. Nobody wanted to interact. And uh, I thought, man, well, let's just start one. We can do that. And so he and I started it together. What did that prove to me is that people want to be connected. It can feel really lonely, you know, and it can be hard when you just have to, you know, I mean, you can learn a ton of stuff through Google and YouTube and, and whatever, but sometimes it's just as nice to ask somebody, Hey, what, how do I do this? Like I keep running into this and I can't, I can't find it. How do I, how do I fix this? Or who do you know? Or whatever it is, right? It's really helpful. And so creating a community, in fact, I helped somebody yesterday, a, a soul care practitioner set up her own Facebook group because I thought it was really, um, she was struggling with Facebook. I said, you need something that builds in connection because that's what she loves, you know, is connecting to her tribe. And so we created a group for her and going to help her kind of get that rolling in a way that, builds her tribe. So, um, but in order to do that, you have to know who you want to talk to, right? So I'm sure you've talked about this before, but the whole idea of figuring out your avatar and who is the person that you want to speak to and, um, you know, knowing everything about them, giving them a name, all of that. Last night we're on this like webinar, uh, where you had people pitching you to be on your show. How did you land that? Well, so I've been involved with uh, Steve Olsher and the New Media Summit for going back to last September. That uh, is housed. I mean, I'm just I'm part of their one of their icons of influence, uh, which is a title I wear sort of sort of humbly. I just enjoy it. So I've actually been to two conferences. Um, I'm not going to go to the next one in September. It kind of falls at a weird time uh, for us, but um, he has them twice a year. Usually, once in the spring, once in the fall. And uh, it's really, he's got a cool little platform. So he just, yeah, here's how I got into it. He uh, was asking people in the podcast movement group, I think it was, to like who has 100 episodes or more. And I said, hey, I'm about to publish episode 100 at the time. He's, he reached out and said, hey, I would love to have you come as an icon of influence. And so there I am. And I've been, like I said, I've been to two, met some amazing people at that thing. Some of them have other businesses. Some of them are sort of more, uh, faith-based, but uh, it's been been a lot of fun. Wow. Wow. Well, let me ask you this. Is there anything else that you would like to leave with our audience, whether it be on the marketing side, whether it be um, on the um, 
stepping out and just doing and doing your th- whatever you want to leave with our audience. Here's the thing: if you're trying to start a uh, faith-based business, the number one step is decide that you're going to do it. Um, you know, do it prayerfully. Don't do it flippantly, but decide that you're going to do it. Give yourself permission because nobody else will. And then you got to kind of pick your path and figure out your audience. And, and uh, there are a lot of people who can, who can help you with those kinds of things. Um, but don't wait for permission. You know, I, I talked about that our, with our soul care practitioners, we have a, I wrote a blog post called the golden ticket church job. And I'll send you that link, Teresa. I would um, love to see that. Yeah. Which, which talks about kind of, you know, in Willy Wonka, there's that idea of, uh, you know, he comes out and he does that dramatic entrance and he finally says to the kids who got the golden ticket, come forward, please. You know, don't wait for the Willy Wonka or whoever it is to choose you, choose yourself. And because God has already chosen you. You know what I think it is? I think it's that we wait for for permission because we believe the lie that we have to have it. And I think that's a lie from the enemy. Right. You you already have permission because God has given it to you. If he's given you a gift, he's given you permission. Well, not only that, if he's given you a gift, he's also given you the responsibility to use it. You don't want to go burying talents. Right. And that's why I say decide. Decide now that you're going to go ahead and do it. It all flows from there. Yep. Well, Eric, it has been a pleasure having you on. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Teresa. It has been fun. It, it, it really has. Guys, I think Eric said it. I've said it. Quit waiting for permission. If God has called you to do something, step out and get it done. You know, he's not going to lead you into something you can't handle. He may lead you into something that'll stretch you, but he's not going to lead you into something that you can't handle. So with that, I'm Teresa Blaze. This has been the Teresa Blaze Show. Let's go get this thing done. You've been listening to the Teresa Blaze Show. To catch all her past shows, visit www.teresablaze.com. That's T E R E S A B L A E S.com. 